check, check. Light check. Show presented by Infab. Coming at you, one hour of your Moto Talk, 702 586 7857. We're going to give away a couple sets of 2017 fly racing gear. That's right. That's what we're going to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks to the fly, folks at Fly. Thanks to the folks at Infab for making this happen. Jep 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 Fremeg. Jeff Emig will be on the show, former AMA motocross and supercross champion, uh, and also to Jason Thomas from Fly Racing also coming on. Uh, always looking toward the future of performance. The Fly Racing is proud to launch their 2017 product line with this year's release. The Fly Racing design team continues their dedication to innovate, develop, and improve the future of racewear. Invaluable insight from athletes, both amateur and pro, uh, fuel and guide the constant goal to improve. See your local authorized WPS dealer to purchase Fly products or flyracing.com to check out the full 2017 line and uh, customize your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the market-leading design and style from NFAB. Everything's built in their uh, 150,000-square-foot facility in Houston, Texas, USA. And whether it's the uh, side steps, whether it's the light mounting solutions, whether it's bumpers... Whatever you need for your truck, they've got it. N-Fab.com, proud sponsor of the JGR guys, of course, and the NFAB M Pro Yamaha race team. These guys support the sport, so you support sport by, by supporting them. So support sport and support them. And uh, like I said, at NFAB Inc. on Instagram and Twitter. Jeff Emig, Jason Thomas on the show. Uh, lots of news coming up uh, this week. Two weeks off, uh, of course, from the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships. Three rounds left. Then we're done. Wait. No, we're not. Two USGPs after that, then the Motocross the Nations, then the SMX Cup, then the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. Yeah, that's right. These guys keep piling it on more and more. I've talked about it before on the Pulp Show. And we've got our first victim of that, uh, Eli Tomac this week. Monster Energy Kawasaki's Eli Tomac bowed out of the Motocross the Nations after uh, doing 29 races this year, plus two USGPs. He did not want to get back on a plane and head over to Italy. So he is out uh, for the Motocross the Nations, which is uh, a real kind of a shocker. And we'll talk to Emig and uh, JT about that. Uh, Dungey announced that he is racing the SMX Cup, which is a sort of a manufacturer Motocross the Nations in Germany, more super cautious. Super crush ish than anything, and uh, so Dunge has decided that uh, even though he's been riding and everything else, he's been you know he's not going to do the uh, motocross nations. He's going to go to the SMX Cup, and uh, really, it's it's KTM. It's uh, KTM basically told him he's got to go, or strongly suggested that he's got to go, which uh, which kind of sucks. 
So uh, sucks for the sport that Dunge has to do that thing when he doesn't really want to, and sucks that uh, he uh, can't do the motocross nations. And Tomac's out also. So uh, we'll talk a little bit of that. We'll talk Unadilla. Uh, both Rocks and Webb have a huge uh, points lead in their in their respective classes, but. We do have uh, some mud coming up this weekend by all accounts. We're going to have some mud, and we have uh, a Taft making his debut for uh, uh, the Rock Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. A lot of people are high on this kid. And uh, 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 Sexton. Uh, Chase Sexton for the Geico team doesn't look like he's going to make it, though. I don't think he's racing. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. 702-586-7857. Give us a call. we got some uh, lines open now. Uh, some guys on hold, but uh, we'll talk to them and uh, get them your questions and maybe they'll win a set of gear. Producing the show, holding things down over there, uh, making personal calls during showtime. The Tits Legendary. What's up, Tits? I'm sorry, but hello. How are you? Um, Welcome back. Thank you. Two weeks off. I missed you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, thoughts on Ryan Dungey. Ryan Dungey is your guy. Ryan <sighs> Dungey has decided that uh, he does not want to ride the motocross nations. He uh-huh. wants to uh, ride the SMX Cup one week later, though. Here's what I am hoping is going to happen. He's going to show up at the cup, ride practice, and say, sorry, my neck hurts, I'm out. And then that's it. You'd be okay with that? I'd be more okay with that than him going in and just dominating the whole thing. I mean, that'd be great and everything, but uh, at least they'd be like, hey, you know, I, you're making me come back before I really want to. Okay. All right. Well. Um, I don't think it'll happen. I mean, he, he's, no, he's, 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 gonna he's not going to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, not too happy about that, but at this point, I've pretty much written the whole event off, and <laughs> I mean, Tomac's not going. I mean, maybe we'll, maybe they'll all shock us all and yeah. dominate. But, yeah, uh, well, it's it's a political excited about different it like world that. we live in nowadays, politically wise, you know. Yep. So, um, all right, we'll take some calls there, um, and uh, get get our next guest, our first guest up on the line when you can, tits. Uh, um, and uh, we thank you guys for uh, for listening. Fly race and Moto sixty show. Presented by Infab, uh, let's go to Arnold. Arnold, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What's happening? Um, hey, I had a question on your uh, your trip over there to the to Europe and uh, attending the GPs over there. Yeah. Just wondered what you thought about um, Dylan Ferrandez uh, as far as how he's riding and what do you expect to see out of him. Uh, on the Star Yamaha team, like in Supercross right. and Motocross, he I've, I've seen Ferrandis there. Uh, Ferrandis also has done Lille and Bercy just about every year that I've been over there. He is also he rode the Monster Cup like three years ago for Cowie. Um, uh-huh. So I'm, I'm familiar with him for sure. He's fast. He's really good Supercross rider. He's always one of the better Europeans. Uh, whenever we go to those races overseas, um, I think he's a better Supercross than Motocross guy, if that's possible for those guys. Wow. Um, he also has a tendency to get hurt. He's a little sketchy. Uh, he's not scared to pin it, you know, and kind of hang on. But um, he'll be good. I don't think. You know, I, I said it before. I don't. If I'm if I'm one of these teams, I don't go and hire. A European guy, if he ain't Grant Langston or Kenny Roxon or Tortelli or one of these great guys, because we're racing in America, we're trying to sell bikes and gear in America, and I'd hire you know an American rider that I feel can do just as well as a Tonus or a Lowe's or a Boniface or a Rod McFain or any of these guys. So I'm a little curious on the choice of Ferrandis. If he wins, great. Then, you know. That's what you need to do. But uh, I don't know, man. Um, he's good, though. He'll be good. Um, what level would you put him on? Like, who would you who would you say he's equal to? 
Uh, as a, you know, as no, an American I, rider. I, I see him as a top 10 guy outdoors and a top five or six guy in Supercross. You know, so yeah, he's good. Like he's good. But I don't think yeah. he's coming. I don't think he's going to pursell it and win. And, you know, I think he'll probably be all right. But, uh, but again, I just is it worth it to bring a guy from France who's just all right when you're trying to sell bikes and gear in America? You know? I don't know. Exactly. That's my thinking. But he's good. Don't get me wrong. So. That's <laughs> So he's not maybe on a Tonus level or something. Yeah, I, I put him on Tonus. I think he'll do what Tonus is doing. Tonus, when Tonus was healthy in Supercross, he certainly looked good, great at times. But for the most part, Tonus has been a top five or six guy in Supercross and a top ten guy in outdoors. And I would put Ferrandis right around there. Exactly. So. Uh, and then uh, I had another question. If you got time about sure. Rolly. Mm-hmm. Um what what do you, did you talk to him at all, or what do you know about his? Is he having bike issues, or he's kind of switching back and forth between yeah. the 450 and 450, right? Yeah, he didn't like the new 450. He thinks it's uh, a little more suited to Supercross. It's a little more, uh, it's twitchy. It's it's got a small wheelbase. He uh, he felt like it was a little more Supercross inspired. Um, so he switched he switched back to the 350. Uh, he's had some success with it, but now, yeah, I saw that he's going to go back and test it, um, test back a, four, a 350. Although I've long said I don't think that 350 is a 350. It can be anything, you know, and I think that, and I think it can be a 400 or 410. I don't think it's a 450. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 400 ish, you know. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, he'll see what happens. But he told me that the 450 is just—it's a little twitchy. It's—it's it's a little too super crossy. What advantage would the 350 have? I mean, as far as handling, wouldn't it be the same wheelbase as the 350? Um, yeah, but I guess, you know, you add the extra CCs and things change. Uh, characteristics change, suspension changes, handling changes. Um, every uh-huh. every time you add power to a bike or take away power, things change. So, exactly. um, But I do know Dunge, before Dunge got hurt, he was not so pumped on his bike. I heard that from people really close to him. Uh, not that pumped on his bike and wanted to try to get it better before he got hurt. So. I'm sick. Outdoors, outdoors. I'm talking outdoors, not not indoors. So. Yeah, exactly. So it's maybe more. It just leans towards being more of a supercross frame than a than a. Yeah, than that seems to be what AC thinks. Yeah. What do you think as far as um, do you think Tomac? Um, I know you guys have talked about it a little bit, but like training in Colorado, um, do you think the altitude would have affected his power band? To the point that it affected the way his suspension tuning worked and messed up with his with his. Uh... Um, maybe, maybe, yeah, he's up there in elevation for sure. Um, that could have something to do with it, but he tested a lot in Cali too. He was stuck in California and you know not too pumped on it either. Um, so they tested all over the place, you know. So right. he would have a, a base feeling of what it felt like uh, at sea level as well, or it's slightly above. Yeah. But uh, no, not a bad, uh, not a bad point. Exactly, it goes to the same old thing. Every time you add and take away power, things change on a motorcycle. So right, awesome. Hey, well, thanks a lot. Right. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Arnold. Uh, all yeah, right, yeah. next next up on the show, uh, Fly Racing Zone. Jason Thomas, what's up, JT? What's happening? Nothing much, man. Another day. We're back at the races. Coming up, three in a row. Yeah, it's like. Uh... About as much time off you 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 know took a little hiatus there during supercross so i um, had a week off give more. me a break no you had more than that you took more than one race off in a row i did no yeah. it, i took one race and then there was a weekend off okay well that's yeah. that's fair enough but didn't so. you skip st louis and detroit um yes but yes, you did they weren't uh that was three weeks in a row I don't there think, was a weekend off in there too. i don't think people want to hear us argue about this 
Okay. I'm making my point. So Weather okay. this weekend, still rainy, still high chance of showers, high chanceability of showers. So we're looking at a mutter at Dilla. Yeah, um, it's not looking good. No, it's not looking good, which things things could change. Things could get crazy, um, you know, when the mud comes. But talking about Unadilla anyways, JT, like it's no one's – well, I shouldn't say it's no one's favorite track. Some people do like it. But whether it's Stu, whether it's RC, some high-profile guys uh, have not liked Unadilla over the years. You've raced there a ton. What is it? What is it about Unadilla that people don't like? And I do think it's a much better track than it was, say, 10 years ago. Yeah, the reasons that people don't like it are the reasons that they're working to correct. Uh, and it was a it was a lack of you know base dirt as far as topsoil. It had all basically been removed. And the things that John Dowd had spoken about for Southwick, where you know why it had become less and less sandy, those things ring true for for Unadilla, and it's probably more severe. Uh, that all of that great topsoil that and you hear all these legendary guys uh, from the past always talk about how great Unadilla was. And I'm sure it was. It just those conditions you just can't find that on on current day Unadilla. So uh, as they've brought more dirt in, I think it's gotten better and better. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you'll hear less of the you know Damon Bradshaw and Ricky Carmichael type comments after days like Unadilla, but uh, it's still a work in progress. Right, right. Um, as far as the layout and everything, it's it's fairly easy. You know, there's nothing tough on it. Um, you've got gravity cavity and screw you, though, a couple of iconic obstacles, right? And every time I go over there, walk over there, uh, I always think to myself, screw you is so much steeper than it looks on TV. It is. I mean, it's incredibly steep. And, you know, the toughest thing was uh, there's some really bad shadows, especially late in the day uh, when the sun is kind of peeking over that you know the uphill unscrew you mm-hmm. you can't see at all and it gets really ruddy and sketchy and i've actually pulled my goggles off late in the moto there for no other reason other than i couldn't see going up the hill because of the glare <laughs> right and it's uh, it's i think it's one of those things and unless you've ever stood there and looked down it and and you know you're coming from almost a dead stop at the bottom there mm-hmm. uh it's tv doesn't know justice which is typical for elevation on, yeah. on any of the tracks yeah it's steep people need to make and when you're jumping down there like you're like hey i gotta stop you know? Yeah, and the jumping down is kind of nice because it's so smooth. Right. You know, there's no, there's no braking acceleration back and forth. It's pretty much just all brakes. So the bumps are there's really no no bumps at all. Yeah. But coming up, man, it's you know the four strokes have really helped. But I can remember back in the 125 days, you were you were working to get up that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, this weekend, if we have a bit of a mutter, we haven't seen one since 08. Not a fun track if it gets bad. If it gets really crappy and shitty it's not going to be fun because it is going to rut up and be soft and treacherous yeah and it's you know just the the section you were already speaking about i mean that uphill is just incredibly difficult when you add in how icy it is you know Mm -hmm. on an uphill like that it's not going to be mud because it's going to be down to the base but it's going to be icy and hard pack and you're going to be having getting tons of wheel spin and you know you're not it's not like you're going to come through the corner very fast in the mud so um, all those sections, and and we spoke about it the other day. But going back to you know the James Stewart and Cody Cooper battle of 2008, just watching those guys, I mean they were so incredibly careful trying to get around that yeah. track. So hopefully we can avoid the mud. But typically with these East Coast storms, uh, you know they're they're pretty big and mm-hmm. pretty wide, and they clobber everything in their path. So I, I think we're gonna, we're in for a mudder no matter how you look at it. Do you think Tomac can? take any momentum from his second moto at Washougal where he hunted Kenny down past him and basically dropped him um it's been two weeks I don't know if that really carries over I'm sure both guys have kind of forgotten about it and, and think it's just another race right I mean I don't think there's anybody's in anybody's head here 
No, I think they're just going out there and trying to race. You know, I think, uh, unfortunately for both of them, you know, it's 55-point deficit, and I think both of them have kind of conceded this thing. Um, you know, Kenny's sure he wants to win, but he's just trying to get this thing to the finish line. And, and for Eli, I mean, especially in the last day or two with all the controversy of motocross the nations and these GPs and all these things, he's probably uh, dealing with a lot more than just worrying about Unadilla right now. Uh, so, so I don't think there's any real rivalry or anything to be drawn from Washougal. You know, I, I think as long as Kenny can maintain some of, some of the status quo, if he could even win one out of two motos and just, you know, keep things as they are and, mm-hmm. and get this thing to Indiana, I think he's more than fine with that. Um, I know that's not exciting for yeah. the fans, but I think that's that's reality for both of those guys. You know, Eli wants to win, but he's probably realized the championship's over. And Kenny just wants, if the win's there, sure, I'll take it. But if it's not there, then, you know, I'll just take what is there and move forward. Okay, four points between Amart, Jmart, Savachi. Uh, and we'll, I want to talk to you about the designations and the SMX Cup and all that. We'll, we'll cover that at the end here before okay. we get Jeff Emig on. But four points uh, for second place. Uh, Jeremy Martin was going to see how his ribs were. Um, and that's from Washougal, and he may not even race this weekend. We're not sure. But um, who gets it? Who, who finishes second? Assuming Jmart rides, you know? I like Amart. Um, what, what's Amart's gap to these guys now? Yeah, he's four back. Yeah, I, I like Amart. I think he's. I just think he has the momentum. Uh, I, you know, Savachi's riding well. He was obviously all over Amart in the first moto, and probably would have beaten uh, Amart in the second moto had things not gone sideways. Uh, but I just like where Amart is. I, I think his starts have been really consistent and. The one thing that Amart needs to eliminate, and we've been saying this since Supercross, is that he's got to eliminate that crash, uh, just to tip over, you know, like the the second moto tip over where mm-hmm. I fully believe he would have won that second moto at, at Millville. Um, yeah, yeah, but I those do things too. are yeah. those things are killing him. Right. And if he wants to beat Savachi, he's just got to eliminate those. And if he can, I like him to uh, just kind of ride this wave he's on, you know, and with the confidence of Motocross and Nations and all that stuff, I think he's in a really good place. Right. I think, too, uh, a guy that's going to come on these last three is, is Aaron Plessinger because we know he's fast at Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. Rode well there. If it's muddy this weekend, he's longer-legged, and I think he can get through things pretty quickly. He's turned it on at the end of the year. I think Plessinger is going to be a guy in the top. It's been inconsistent. It's been up and down for him this year. Um, yeah, and, and you know. to your point, I, I would agree. Uh, and if you take the last three races from last year, I believe he would have been your champion. And just a three-race kind of triple crown, yeah, yeah, which I know means nothing. Right. Uh, but if you're just looking at three races to go, and if you take last year, he was the best rider of those three. So I, I fully agree that if he's going to shine, it should be these, these tracks that are uh, next up on the schedule. Yeah, should be interesting to see. I, th- I think um, with you, I like Amart's uh, momentum right now. I think Savachi is one of those dudes that, I mean, it didn't. You know, he lost more points at Washougal. He's, he he might even be a little disheartened and be like, okay, well, you know, I can't really do much about this Cooper Webb dude winning. So let me just kind of ride this thing out. And Amart's the guy that's going to be on Motocross the Nations team, and he just won, and he's going to be stoked, you know, and all that. So I like that. I like that thinking. And Jmart's got some ribs, and probably you know, we've all got ribs, but he's got some sore ribs, and he's probably <laughs> thinking like, hey, I just got to get this thing over with. So. Yeah, and there's also the factor of, you know, do Cooper and Savachi get into it again? You know, and does one of them end up on the ground or they get up in their own little right. uh, deal? And that, that helps Amar, too. So with the emotions that both of those guys are dealing with, and they're obviously very, I don't want to say close in speed because, you know, Webb has a 51-point lead, but they can certainly battle with each other. Uh, so that's got to be uh, a plus on Amar's side is that he doesn't have to deal with any of that drama. 
Uh, a couple of silly season notes that I think we've not covered since uh, since the last show. Uh, Cycle Trader Rock River announced their team. Uh, they have Taft. Uh, Bradley Taft, who's racing this weekend, he's going to make his pro debut for the team this weekend. Lorenzo Lachuro, Lachuro, Lacursio, Lacursio. Okay, uh, another fast amateur kid. Um, he's not racing pro though, I don't think. Right this year, uh, he's I, stepping in. I don't next know if he turned pro this weekend or not. Okay, all right. And uh, also to uh, Tommy Hahn, what's your thoughts on that team for next year? Yeah, it's an interesting team. I, I um, you know, losing Nichols isn't great. I think he's going to be a contender in Supercross, but you know, that's basically the same thing that happened with Amart. Yeah. It's just the nature of their the way that Yamaha has those teams structured. Um, Taft will be really, really good. I think uh, they are fortunate, I think, to not lose him to Star as well because I, I've watched the kid ride in person, and really, he's the real huh? deal. Yeah, yeah. Speed speed wise, he's the real deal. Um, you know how that translates into pro racing, we'll see. You know because we've seen this time and time again with Zach Bell and and on and on. You know the the kids that were oh they're going to win everything and they don't really pan out. So. I think Taft is a good good guy to get for them. Um, the Tommy Hahn one is uh, it's weird to me I, with the way that the industry or the riders are right now. With basically everyone's up for grabs from Bogle to Pike to mm-hmm. Brayton to you know just on down the line. Benny Bloss is a guy that's already been on their team once. Uh, it was an, an interesting and curious choice to me, um, but whatever. That's their team, their choices. So I think overall they they will have a strong team. I think they have guys that will be um, Mm -hmm. capable of being in the mix. Uh, But could man, could you imagine if they had, you know, Amart Nichols and then those, (laughs) you know, the two young guys coming in next year? They would have a powerhouse team. Yeah, it should be interesting to see like if if Taft performs again and he gets taken by Star again, if he's as good as what you say he could be, you know. Um, You got to you got to think they will. You got to know your place, I guess, if you're star if you're a cycle trader. Yeah, unfor- I mean, that's the unfortunate reality they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, really their only hope is to have a guy that just breaks out like a Taft does and wins. Yep. And then maybe they can have that thought process reassessed. But for right now, right. you know, that's they're kind of the stepping stone into the factory level, which is, you know, which is star. Right. L- L- Lorenzo Luchu. L- what did you say it was? <laughs> I believe it's Lacursio. Lacursio. I've heard people tell me, like, he's a sleeper amateur dude. He's pretty fast. And, uh, you know, he is. He, and I've seen. I've, sorry. Well, just that he's a little sketchy, but he's fast. Yeah, I mean, all these kids are, though. That's true, <laughs> true. That's the nature of amateur racing these days is that they have, you know, at, at many races, they have four laps to get it done. So they're way past their limit every time they step on the track, uh, just like, you know, A-Rod was, uh, you know, last year and the year before. Um, same team, you know, a Latin rider comes in and, and mm-hmm. really fast, but a bit sketchy. Um, Lorenzo didn't have a great week at Loretta's by any means. I think he's better than he showed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we, see, we see that time and time again with kids. They, the Loretta's is a, a weird barometer for where you are, and, mm-hmm. and some kids never do well at Loretta's, and then you know pro racing suits them better. So I think he'll do fine. I don't think he's going to come out and, and be a threat to lead where I think Taft could. So I think they're a bit, a bit different in that regard. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. Uh, another thing before we get to the phones, Jordan Smith. I wrote a big article about Jordan Smith and RJ Hampshire going back to Geico. Uh, Larocco told me about how he believes in him, and he, you know he's got the speed. He just needs to work on on the other stuff. Um, and then now we hear that Jordan Smith and Geico are going to part ways at the end of the year, and that contract that they kind of agreed to was not going to happen. Uh, so I don't know where he's going. I heard TLD KTM, but another curious choice by Jordan. Uh, you know, hey, some people just need a change, but uh, weird to hear that. Yeah, I, I was surprised to hear that. I know, you know, Geico takes care of their riders very well. 
and uh, you know, you and I have both heard some of the numbers that are thrown around, and, and they do a great job of uh, paying their riders. I give them a lot of credit in that aspect, and they're they're very progressive. They go after kids early, and mm-hmm. they lock them up. So yeah, I, I haven't heard many negative things from that team, uh, and this Jordan thing kind of caught me by surprise too. So luckily for Jordan, I think he will be pursued by a few different teams. Oh, for uh, sure, so he, yeah. He's yeah. lucky with that, when, where most guys are just right. begging for anything, where he can kind of have a, a falling mm-hmm. out and still land on his feet. All right, let's get some phone calls. Jeff M.A. coming up here on the show. Uh, Dallas, what's going on? You got a question about Eli Tomac? Hello? Dallas, what's up? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I've got a question. I just want to call can't hear you, Dallas. Are you in a so- get out of that tunnel? All right, I don't know. Can't hear Dallas. He's in a got a sock over his head, or perhaps he'd been kidnapped. But okay, he wanted to talk about Tomac and Team USA, JT, in which I, I definitely want to bring that up. Uh, Tomac announced yesterday that he is bowing out of motocross to nations. Um, what do you think? I mean, first and foremost, I was bummed out. You know, both of us are attending that event. And, uh, you know, we've been there several years now. And um, just on a fan level, I was I was sad to hear it. I, I know the the reasons behind it or what I, the perceived reasons behind it. And I can't really argue them. But just on a on a fan level for a guy that's going to the race and watch, wants to watch Team USA win, he, you know, he along with Dungy present our best chances to win. And to have neither of them is a it's a tough blow. Yeah. And, and Dungy's racing the SMX Cup the weekend after, you know. Yeah, I mean, these guys are gonna, so many... these guys are going to get heat, and I think it's rightfully deserved. I'm not saying I agree with the heat, mm-hmm. but they're going to get heat from fans that don't understand all this other stuff. That fans are like, "You make millions of dollars, and 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 you can't race," you know? Right. Like, I get it. Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is that uh, the energy drinks have such a heavy hand in the sport now, and. Um, what I perceive as a maybe the, one of the most important events of the year behind A1, I would say it's probably number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I may be, you know, in the minority as, as far as that thinking. Yeah. Um, so for a race like the SMX Cup to take precedence over a race like Motocross of Nations, to me is a, that's a tragedy. I, I, I can't express enough how sad that is uh, that the state of the sport is where a, a one-off race that's never happened um, takes takes precedence for a guy like Dungy over over motocross nations and I know that's not his call but the end result is the same and that that's a bummer who should get more heat Tomac or Dunge or should they get equal heat well I I don't know with Dungy it's different because I guarantee you, he doesn't want to do any of them. No. He doesn't want to do SMX Cup. He doesn't want to do Motocross the Nations, which is a bummer. Uh, but it makes him look bad because he has to do this SMX Cup thing where he would just bow out of all of it. And that would look, at least he's being consistent, not doing any of them. Yeah. Um, where Tomac, his situation's a little different where he has to do the two USGPs. And then it would be basically his third race in September when most of the most of the you know the pits are off. We're just they're you know basically resting during September, so it's a little bit different. It's kind of apples and oranges as far as what their schedules entail. And I you know I can't really blame either of them. I don't really think they should either of them should take heat because if you go back and this was say you know 1986, um, you know when this historic event went on at the same uh, venue. Those guys didn't have the same type schedule that they do now. You know, there weren't these monster cups and USGPs and all these things placed on top of them. Uh, to, be, I, 
to be I think fair, they still though, would have gone. Yeah, to be fair, the this nations oftentimes, four or five times off the top of my head, I can think of, fell in the middle of the nationals. Okay. It really well, fell in, in the middle of them. And that's part of the reason why in 92, Bradshaw, Kurdowski, Stanton said, yeah, no, we're out. And they yeah. sent the B team. Right. Well, I just think the schedule has changed. And, you know, both of you and I have had private conversations in depth about this stuff. And uh, I think that, you know, really September is kind of the only month these guys get off. It really, really is. And I know because I lived this life where September is a month where you don't have to, you know, live every single day like it's a, you know, boot camp style training day. Um, October 1 is kind of the kickoff day for testing. And then November is, you know, after you get those kind of races out of the way, November is full training. Yeah, I mean, go it's time. not even so much testing. It's yeah. tra- real, real training. So if you take September out, too, when are these guys supposed to have any downtime to recover, to uh, injuries heal, to do any of that? Um, and, I, I, you know, as a fan that's going to this event, it's tough for me to say that and be like, eh, whatever, it's, you know, I, I completely understand. But you have to, you know, you have to – be reasonable with some of this stuff and um for the energy drink guys they don't i know they don't they're not their concerns are not with that but it comes down to prioritizing these events a little bit so can you can you look at tomac and be like yeah bro do the two usgps that mean nothing do the monster do the motocross donations do the monster energy cup two weeks later i mean you can but I, I don't think he wants to do anything with that. And if he's not contractually obligated to do motocross nations. Well, no, none of these guys are. Yeah. yeah. Right. Unfortunately, that's the one he, he doesn't have to do. Air quotes around doesn't have to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that's going to get clipped. I mean, he, I, pro, I, can, I can't guarantee you because I can't speak for Eli Tomac, but I could say with very, very strong conviction that he would love to clip off those two USGPs and, you know, not have to do any of it. Um, Monster Cup, I think, is a bit different. It's in October, and guys get to shake their bikes down a bit. Mm-hmm. But I would feel very, very strongly that if he didn't have to go to Glen Helen and Charlotte in September, he would he would choose that option in a heartbeat. Yeah, we got really, and really when you look at who's to blame, quote-unquote, blame here, uh, energy drinks, because they're making the guys do the USGPs. Red Bull has a, has a race now that they maybe don't make their guys do, but it's probably heavily suggested you should do it. Monster Energy Cup that Feld puts a lot of heat on. SMX Cup is all Ustream, contacting the a- the OEMs and making them do it, the making their riders do it because they want to make their first race successful. There's really JT. There's there's uh, shitheads to blame everywhere here. Yeah, like, and it's, like it's, everybody, like it's yeah, not it's, just it's one. Energy drinks. Yeah, it's the energy drinks pushing this thing, and it's not they're they're not bad guys. You know, they're creating cool races. It just really the downside is that all of these things they're leveraging have caused the motocross and nations to take a back seat because it's the only one that they can't leverage. You know, they, you don't know they're going to get chosen. So you can't put it in your contract and they, you know, so it basically is the one that it's the easiest one to bow out of contractually. Uh, and that, that I think everyone loses in that scenario. Same for, you know, rocks and switching teams, but we're losing all the star power at this race, which, I mean, that's not good for anyone. No. Um, so it looks like the team's going to be Cooper Webb, Alex Martin, and either Barsha or Anderson. We're hearing Barsha. Either Barsha said no or JGR said we'd rather not. Somebody over there said we're going to pass, and it looks like they're trying to think of maybe sending Jason Anderson. What do you think of a team of Anderson, uh, Amart, and Webb? You know, I think with Anderson, if he, if he is – 
getting prepared and he's going to do it right, which, you know, I, I feel like he would with Alden there, and he's been riding. I have uh, no problem sending Anderson. I, I think that style of track, Major's very hard pack. Um, I think it's similar to what he grew up on, what he's good at as far as uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with Anderson. I just my only concern would be his level of of readiness and um, eagerness to be a part of it because I feel like motivation and and the effort put into that event is paramount to everything just because of the timing of it. I really think these two USGPs are just ridiculous, just ridiculous. We have a, a nice enough series over here. Uh, what Ustream is trying to do by going to a man-made track in Charlotte and on some drag strip, and then what they're trying to do at Glen Helen where nobody cares, like no fans care, no rider, no American riders want to be there. Hell, even the GP guys, their season's pretty much decided. I, I can't believe that they're trying to make two races in, in this country and think that anybody could care. But, you know, they go to Qatar and Thailand where nobody cares either. So, Yeah, and I, I'm torn a bit because I, I – I completely understand global expansion, you know, for their business model. It it makes sense. You know, they're trying to uh, gain market share and gain fans in, on every continent they can. Um, it just, it's the timing. The timing really makes it, makes it difficult. And I don't know that there's an answer for it because there's really no good time for it. Uh, I, I really just... Making it optional for the riders, I think, is is the only way to do it, and that obviously is the way it goes anyway. You know, right. you won't see a guy like Dungey at USGPs. Um, I really, my main issue with all of it is just that motocross nation is getting sacrificed in the middle of all of it. Yeah, no, it's sad. It's brutal. All right, before we let you go, let's get to some questions. Uh, Paul, what's going on? You got a point about these off-season races? What's happening? Um, yeah, I was just because uh, you guys were kind of going back and forth between the old days, like. I, I believe 1986 was brought up. The difference nowadays, too, or one more difference nowadays, is that these guys are pushing their bodies a lot harder in order to train, get ready. I mean, they're in a lot better shape, but that's because they're pushing their bodies a lot harder. Yeah. And, I mean, you touched on it, too, is, you know, these guys are going to get hurt because you're forcing them to push their bodies harder and longer than they ever have before. Yeah, something's got to give, I really believe. something. I've talked to many team managers, but then they turn around and make these decisions about going to these races because they want to get paid by the almighty energy drinks. But the team managers I speak to are like, yeah, something's got to change. Something's got to happen. You, what, was, what was the caller's name? I'm sorry, I missed Paul. that part. Paul. Do you, do you think, because I, I would contest this on some level, you think that the the guys now are training harder than guys like, RJ and Wardy did back then because I don't I don't know that that's something I would agree with necessarily. Well, I think that their methods are a lot different, and they're I believe they're pushing their bodies harder because back then it wasn't as um, the fitness level I guess with their bodies weren't as high. I don't think. Yeah, it's hard to I say. You, uh, I definitely, I talked. Guys were yeah. fit back then. They were. Uh, it's hard to say for sure. You I think we, about you talk to these guys, O'Mara and Wardy, and these guys that the really, you know, Mark Barnett, the the work they were putting in. I man, I, I struggle to think it's it's more than now in some cases. I think it was almost too much as far as being detrimental. Yeah, I think we're smart. Like now. Alden, his yeah. work is re- work was really really high, but he's smart about measuring you know how much to do those i in some cases those guys just buried themselves you know uh, yeah from talking to him about how much work they did right. um all right thanks paul appreciate it good point thank you all right thank you uh we'll get to jeff and right away uh kylie what's going on kylie how are you hey how are you good thanks uh you got a question for jt yeah 
since Trey is going to Red Bull KTM, what does that mean for his replica helmet? Uh, you know, the replica helmets, they change every so often. Um, so we would, you know, obviously if, if that comes to fruition, which is, you know, not my place to say, we've all heard the rumors, but, um, that's certainly something that we would take into account and speak with him. And, um, obviously we would have to address that because, you know, of course right now it's, it's based around his, uh, you know, his, his Honda deal and, and those colors that he chose and wanted to work with. Um, so yeah, it's, it's certainly something we'd have to address. All right. There you go, Kylie. Thanks. Sweet, thank you. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what uh, what Trey looks like on an orange bike. It's going to be really yeah, weird, the, as a matter of fact. The tough part is is that, you know, when we uh, finalized graphics and color schemes and all that for a helmet, that was, you know, so long ago. You were right. in the yeah. last calendar year. Yep. Uh, so f- he had no idea he was going to, t- you know, uh, yep. Red Bull KTM if he is at that time. So it puts us in a bit of a, a bit of a bind with being behind, but that's just the nature of it. Uh, Jason, what's happening? Uh, what's going on? Last question for uh, JT. What's what's going on, Jason? Hey guys, how are you doing today? Good. Well, how are you? Good. JT, you doing all right, buddy? Hey man, how are you? Good. Listen, I'm wondering. Years ago, when you were racing, Steve, even when you were a mechanic, um, was there ever a product that was just so good that even if it didn't sponsor your team or if the product or if you used another product in the same line as the one that was just so great, did any of the riders ever, you know, um, the, well, I know two-stroke yeah. days, there was a, and a lot of people bought and used Maxima um, yeah. uh, mixing oil, whether it was 927 or, or I think it was 927, or maybe I'm missing what their, their their top line is. But a lot of guys use Maxima for their uh, for oil for mixing gas, um, well, no matter what their sponsor was. And people have done that even for other oil companies, too, and bought the chain lube and everything else. Um, everybody spark uses plugs. everybody uses WD-40. No one's yeah. sponsored by NG, them. NGK Spark Plugs was a big one, I think. Yeah, but was there another spark plug company that people used? Well, I think Split, Splitfire was. Yeah, I think Splitfire. they were using yeah. NGK Spark Plugs. Oh, even then? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it could be. Um, DV the, with FMF? Yeah, DV always had to run FMF. Yeah, he always he forced yeah. Uh, Yamaha to run FMF pipes on his bike specifically. Yeah, yeah. I remember FMF had a really good pipe one time, and uh, really good on the dyno, and then it, it, it disappeared for a few days, and then we got some pro circuits back, and they were really good too. Matching, they really, really, really matched the FMF one. It's really strange. Yeah, remember, didn't Chad run an FMF at one race or something like that this year? Last year, he had, yeah, last year he had to. But uh, yeah, Jason, yeah. it happens for sure. And, you know, um, yeah. Teams buy products for sure. Um, things that they want to use, things that they have to use. I I don't know how many people use. Nobody really used Wisco pistons, but they ran Wisco stickers back in the day. So, uh, but uh, right, yeah. well, I, was, I was just always wondered, you know, you kind of how true do they stay to that, or you know, if it's just well, yeah. this is better, we're going to run it. Right. You know? um, teams definitely do it. The riders that have leverage sometimes can make it happen, but teams yeah. it happens quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. All right, thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And, uh, JT, thank you. Thanks for your time. Uh, um, And, uh, yeah, Unadilla this weekend. I'm sure you'll be watching it. So, all right, man, thanks. Tell Fro Fro we may need him for uh, ride MXON. Well, we can get him on right here. Fro. Well, the good good news is that Malin won't be racing. Fro. We'll be in shape. What's up, guys? JT says we need you for designations. We got to need you to step up. 
after uh, after the way I just felt at Glen Helen today, I think you should move on to the next choice. <laughs> I, I had an off day. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, well, someone called the bomber. All right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks, JT. See ya. All right, see you guys. All right, see ya. Jeff Emig, welcome to the Fly Race and Moto 60 Show. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Good to, good to be back on. Other than, the, other than the day you just had at Glen Helen, right? Well, the thing about Glen Helen, you know, is uh, there's all of our local tracks here, and a lot of them are pretty easy and small and fun. And then you get to Glen Helen, and it's such a different motocross track than literally any place else in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I mean, I've had practice days there when, you know, <laughs> when I was on top. And the bike was perfect, and mm-hmm. I could do no wrong. And then today I'm riding, and it's like I could not turn the motorcycle properly. I mean, I made <laughs> 25 mistakes where I was cussing to myself, like, what are you doing, idiot? <laughs> I, it's just, you know, if, if you didn't know what good was, you'd be like, well, that was a fun day. But I've been there when it's been really good, when I've been good, yeah. and it didn't matter how the track was. Uh, but today, unfortunately, was not one of those days. No one of the, wow. Whether it's <laughs> Paris or Milestone or Comp Edge, I've ridden them all too. And Glen Helen always gets the roughest out of all those tracks. It, you know, and there's something. Yeah, I mean, and it's silty. It's been 20, 20 years of racing, but yeah. your bike setup has to be different there. It really is a different uh, type of track. So. Yeah, yeah. But no. it's still fun to be on the motorcycle. I can't complain. Yeah, I no, mean, you can't. Or I shouldn't complain. I guess I was just complaining now, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't complain. Um, hey, let's get to a couple phone calls. We've got some people on hold here. Uh, Mike, what's going on? How are you? Uh, doing well, guys. How are you? We're good. What's your question, man? Just a real quick question here. And now with the introduction of Honda for their 17s, um, and they're going back to Spring Fork, obviously, is this any indication of Air Fork as a component maybe going away? What do you think? Um, I think so. Yamaha's never made the switch, and Honda's going back on their 450 and 17. And I think, Mike, when you talk to magazine people, when you talk to the average consumer, I think a lot of people are just, they're not happy with the Air Fork. They're not, they don't want to do the maintenance on it. And I could see the manufacturers moving away from it. I absolutely can. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I would say so. I think that uh, it all starts with, uh, with the professional riders, what they want as far as feel. Uh, I mean, I've obviously been on the Air Force since, uh, what year did Kawasaki put him on the kick? No, no, just two years ago, I think. No, okay, so you obviously are, are out of touch with what's been going on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that everybody's really struggled with getting the feel of it right. From what I understand, the production costs are really low on the Air Force. Uh, and it just seems like nobody ever really feels comfortable with them. Uh, and, and, and there's just aspects of, of what the spring, uh, how it reacts, that uh, is, is just really good. And I don't think that they've been able to make the airports for the professional riders like that. So I think you're going to see a trickle back down into the production. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, hey, Mike, you want a set of gear? You ride? Uh, that would I do ride. That would be it. That would be a dream. That would be awesome. It was Thank a good, you. It was a good question. So hold on. Stay on the line. Tits will get your info. You win the 2017 set of Fly Racing gear. Uh, so hold Thank on, you. man. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful show. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Mike. Uh, it's a good Thanks, question, Mike. for sure, about Spring Forks and everything yeah. else. Um, so, um, uh, Jeff, the big news that we heard was uh, Eli Tomac bowing out of the motocross the nations. 
Ryan Dungey uh, skipping the designations, but he says he's in for the SMX Cup. You know, KTM's kind of putting some heat on him to do that. As a as a guy that well, I, I unleashed a series of tweets yesterday about this as well, it kind of frustrates me. But as a guy that did Motocross Nation six times, and you know, you've always talked about how crushing it was to lose uh, that time that you were in '94. Um, I don't like this trend of energy drinks and OEMs and everybody, you know, Feld and Red Bull and Monster and, and, and Ustream. Everybody's getting together and saying, we have all these races. We need all you riders here. But the one that is history, the one that's important, the one that really matters, uh, the Motocross the Nations is, is, is moving by the wayside a little bit. I don't like this trend, Jeff. Well, it's it's surprising that the – Manufacturers don't put more emphasis on it. Uh, the event last year in France was, you know, I, I mean, obviously I've been to Monster Energy Supercross events where there's, you know, 70,000 plus and, 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 you know, the biggest amount of spectators, right, mm-hmm. in a stadium. But when it comes to atmosphere at a motocross race, I've never been to anything like last year. Right. And, uh, knowing, uh, I, you know, I spent the uh, first part of June at the Majora Park in Italy. Um, knowing what the potential of the race is, supposedly we're way ahead on ticket sales than what the race in France was last year for the event. And so it's it's interesting trend uh, to, to just that the riders or the teams, they, they just uh, – for some reason, are, are finding an excuse not to ride the event when it is such a uh, uh, just purely as a spectator, uh, you know, racing event. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the best that there is in the world. So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the riders. I mean, you could say that they don't get paid to do the event, right? I mean, I remember winning the event and probably made a couple hundred bucks or something like that, right? But, you, but I know that personally, if I was the head of a gear company or a manufacturer and, and I would look at that as, hey, you know, we pay you a couple million bikes to, a couple million bucks to ride this bike, this event is one of the most important of the year. Um, but obviously uh, other people think different. I know. I don't like it. I, I, I understand Tomac bowing out, though. I'm not coming so much down on him. Uh, he's racing. Was there, uh, I didn't read the press release. What's the, uh, what's he did, their, uh, didn't really say on what, um, you know, just, just, he has to do the two USGPs after Indiana and, you know, he doesn't want to go. Then he has to do two weeks later, he has to do the monster energy cup. And I guess he just doesn't want to go. I feel like, I feel like I'm okay with that. Um, you know, it's a lot of racing. These guys were asking these guys to do and a lot of traveling and everything else. And not to mention the teams, like if you have, different riders on your team there's a possibility that you do 29 american races two usgps you're at the motocross the nations you do the uh, smx cup you go to uh monster energy cup then you do the red bull straight rhythm like you really you just don't stop after the 29 races mechanic wise team wise team managers you know there's some people that are probably involved in each and every event mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little much to me i agree uh, there's no doubt that everyone's trying to cram a bunch of events in there, uh, and they're going to take a look at what are the most important events to them, to their manufacturer, to their uh, title sponsors, and uh, 
pick and choose what's best. I mean, it's uh, it's obvious that this era of uh, you know the desire to ride that race and it and it being uh, really special. I don't think that the race has changed, but certainly the riders are looking at it differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know when I had the opportunity to go six times in a row, I was going no matter what. So, yeah. Different, different Dif- landscape. I know. I don't like it, though, Jeff. I don't like this different landscape. But it is. It is what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, there, there's always that talk about, well, there's too many races, this and that, and, and there's going to be more. And it's like, you know, this is what you do for a job. And you, these riders these days, especially the top-level riders, they make a lot of money to do this. And uh, without sounding condescending in any way, but it's like, this is your job. It's what you get paid to do. That's mm-hmm. why you keep getting more money every year, you know? Right. So, I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, our sport is, is very taxing on the body. There's no doubt that Monster Energy Supercross being uh, uh, 17 of 18 weeks, it's tough, and then you get into the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship, and that's a grind, and then you add on, uh, now that Monster Energy is really putting a lot of emphasis on their riders to ride the uh, U.S. Grand Prix, uh, and then you throw in the Monster Energy Motocross Nation, the Monster Energy Cup, it's like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know, there's uh, there's uh, a lot of races there. But that being said, you know, I mean, in in our days, the late '80s, early '90s, throughout the '90s, you know, we would fill. Uh, the end of the year with as many races in Europe and Japan as we could. Yeah. So is it really any different than what it was then? Right. Yeah, you have a good point. You're right. Um, 702-586-7857. You got a question for the great Jeff Emig uh, about uh, about the uh, Dis Nations or, or Eli Tomac's decision or Unadilla coming up this weekend. Uh, Jeff, what did you think of Unadilla? Did you like the place? Uh, certainly many riders have said that they're not fans and, uh, you know, they don't like the place. Some guys like it, of course. But what, what were your thoughts about Unadilla? Well, I first had an opportunity to ride their uh, sport class, once in five sport class to the USGP probably 89 mm-hmm. when it was Unadilla. Yeah. Right. It was grass. grass. Right. I mean, we weren't the first uh, group out, but, but in our first practice, there'd ba- basically be a path with this, these blades of, I think it's rye grass. Like the grass would be so high that it, that it would be hitting the, your hand. And as you rode the, the two days of practice or the day and a half of practice for the race, the track, that path would get wider and wider and wider, and it mm-hmm. was all bulky. You didn't really notice that much rock because it was all this, like, rich, you know, organic mulch. Yeah. And it was all natural terrain. The track is way different now. You know, I, I, I loved it back in the days. I'm not saying, I mean, I didn't always perform well there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was a tough, tough race course. Uh, but it's a lot different now, you know. It's, it's so fast that it's such a super speedway, like most of the pro motocross events are, mm-hmm. uh, that I don't think that it really resembles the, the natural terrain of its heritage. And that's just a, you know, evolution of the sport. Yeah, it's uh, my first year was '96 there, and I was like, "Ooh, this isn't the Unadilla I saw photos of," and I feel like it's it's a different well, course already. You yeah, know? yeah, and you're and you're getting into that era in the mid '90s when. Uh, they started running some amateur day races to put a little extra change in, the, yeah. in their pocket. And 
I was really disappointed when they did that because then by the time we got to the track, it was already bumpy everywhere. And, of course, any any pro rider knows that if you ride an amateur track, it, it the bumps form in different places. It forms differently, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if only pros ride the track, it will have a different look and feel than, than if amateurs ride it for two days and they do jump on it. Right? Yeah. So uh, it wasn't the same then, you know. But, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a difficult track because of all the little round rocks and the lack of traction, and uh, uh, it's just bumps everywhere at that place. Uh, flyracing.com, n-fab.com. Please check them out if you need some new gear or uh, new uh, something new for your for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. And we got Jeff Emig on the line here, Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Uh, let's get to some phone calls. Justin, you got a question for Fro about the new shift gear? Yeah, I am um, just a longtime fan of, of uh, the brand and then of Jeff also. And I know he's been with the brand basically since day one. I just wondered how much... Um, input on design and fitment and style he had still today. I know he's like a brand ambassador still and uh, wanted to see how he thought kind of it compared to other brands with all this different Lycra material on some of the gear and the jerseys fitting like cycling kits almost. Uh, just kind of want to see his professional feedback and where he sits with the brand. There you go, Jeff. Oh, yeah, good question. I, I won't take... Uh too much time on this call because obviously this uh, show is sponsored by Oh, it's brand. fine, Fro. Uh, Go ahead. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the gear has evolved so much, uh, you know, over the years. I personally don't have a lot of input on fit. We have a great team shift that, that does that and with our design team and all that. The big change that we've made this year with the shift brand is going to two price points. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, on the lower end, our uh, white label, uh, uh, price point gear, uh, the the fit of the pant, leather knee, all of this, uh, pant jersey combo is 99 bucks, And so the quality of it is exceptional. The price is exceptional. A one, two, three different uh, designs in that, I believe. So, And then we have our, our uh, upper end gear, which is the most technical race pant slash jersey that Shift has ever made, where we do have a lot of the newer uh, four-way stretch fabrics in it. That's our uh, black label. So uh, that's the big changes for us is that we've gone from three price points to only two, and uh, we feel like it's going to be a big uh, success. There you go. Anything else, Justin? Awesome. No, I think that's it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Let's get to Garrett. Garrett, what's up, man? How are you? You know, that last last call sounded a lot like the brand manager from (laughs) Shiv. Yeah, probably was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Um, I guess my question is, is, I know Eli's catching a bunch of crap, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to jump on the bag wagon. That dude has raced a lot of races, and mm-hmm. that's caught a lot of flack for all kinds of things. But this is, say this is 12 months later, and Glenn Hallam's hosting the donations. Does he do it since it's home, or does he, you know, does he say, you know what, I still don't want to do it? I guess we don't or, really. Or anybody yeah, I guess we don't, we can't say for sure. I would think he would, huh, Jeff? I mean, I, that's just a guess. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to be at their best when they go to this event. I mean, I'm not that close with Eli where I know what's going on day to day. I'm sure that there is a valid reason that he says, hey, look, I'm not the best choice for the team right now. I don't feel like I can contribute, uh, you know, uh, the effort that I need to and yada, yada, yada. I believe that we have uh, 
a great depth of field here with American riders. I know there's a lot of Australians and some Europeans over here that will not be considered, you know, they ride the American races, but they won't be part of Team USA. I feel like the number one thing is, as far as team choice, is the rider's desire to be there. Because the ambition and the determination that you have to have when you're at this event uh, is, 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 is just, it's, it's paramount in the success of the team. So if a guy doesn't want to go, boom, don't go. No problem. I guarantee we have another rider that we can put in his spot that will do just as well. Um, and so that's, that's how we feel there. And if we all knew what was the inner workings of all these different riders that are first on the list and have decided not to go, then we can make an accurate judgment. Um, you know, if a rider is just going, eh, hey, I'm just going to blow it off, not into it, yeah, then you're kind of like, hey, what's the deal? Um, but but I don't know personally. I one one interesting thing is that since well past six seven years, however long we've been doing the Ricky Carmichael Universities, uh, Jeff Stanton and I have actually uh, become uh, pretty close friends. And he 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 looks back on the choice of not going to the motocross donation in 1992 of choosing not to go. Uh, as one thing that he, one of his decisions in his racing career that he wishes uh, that he had made a different choice. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe Eli and these other riders, uh, they get, you know, a decade down the road, they're thinking, hey, maybe I should have gone. But right now that's their decision, yeah. and we have to respect that. All right, Garrett, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Uh, Dark Side, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good, man. I'll make this quick. Um I just want I think you got low self esteem sometimes, Mattis, and I wanna tell you Thank how you. much I appreciate the show. Listening to the archives a while back you were complaining that, you know, people don't like you, they like your co host. Right. And this show has made a big it to me it's awesome. I listen to it every day now. I discovered it nine months ago. I put four or five of them on my iPod at a time, four or five pulps on my iPod at a time. And that's all I listen to. Like I never listen to music anymore. And well, I love it. Well cool, man. It, yeah, thank you. You know, this year at Dallas, with Chiz being out, the only reason I went in the pits was to meet you. Oh, you hear that, Fro? So, meet me. Hey, well, I wasn't in the in the pits this year at Dallas. So I'll get the pass on that, but <laughs> no, I'm I, I've got to meet Emmick a couple times, but man, I, I just I love the show. You know, and you and your wife, your fans are stern, and I take it kind of like that, where it's almost like you're part of this family. And you think it's creepy sometimes, like the guy that, that the pilot on the airplane wanted to meet you or whatever. I mean, that take that as a you know a compliment, man. These people, right. we love you. Well, we love the show. I, uh, and, and yeah, I was saying that but, creepy was the wrong word. Remember, I was kind of clarifying. Yeah, creepy I do remember was the wrong that. Word, but but yeah. I, I know you get kind of creeped out sometimes by fans because we're fans, we're fanatics, you know. And but hey, we want to meet you. We feel like we know you. We feel like Kiefer's our bro, you know. And mm-hmm. so, so it's. I guess in your end, it probably does feel a little weird. I guess if I had people that were following me all the time, hit me up all the time on Twitter, it'd, be, it'd get a little weird. But for the most part, man, we, we love you and we love the show and take it as a compliment. And I look forward every day to getting in my work truck. Well, thanks, and man. Listening to the show. Thanks. I appreciate so. it. Yeah, I like having guys like Jeff Emig on because they're the, they're the real heroes. Jeff Emig won Supercross well, and national titles, bro. So. But you're part mm-hmm. of the, but you're part of the industry now too, though. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm huge. You know, I grew up a McGrath fan and a Guy Cooper fan, and then watching Emig and McGrath Mag- battle. But McGrath fan, Jeff, you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I do. 
I do. I didn't say I wasn't an Emic fan. I didn't say I wasn't an Emic fan, but I I love the sport, and you're part of the sport. Well, cool. Thanks, Darkside. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Thanks for the call. Really nice thing. Yep. Thank you. Talk to you guys. All right. See you. Thanks. Thanks, Darkside. Really nice. Jeff Emig's on the line, though. Jeff Emig is on the line. We got to talk to Jeff Emig. Um, Jeff, all of your titles were in '97. You kind of wasn't Dowd putting some heat on you near the end of the series, right? Like you didn't walk to it, right? Or did you? '97 outdoor yeah. title. '97 outdoor. Yeah, yeah, I had a, yeah. I had a pretty good. I think I was up did around you? thirty or forty points okay. most of the well, time. Well, then, yeah. well, then this kind of works then. Rocks and Webb, big leads, right? Three races left. They really can't mm-hmm. start thinking about it, though, right? They can't start sort of riding to get the title. Like, you've been in this spot. How did you approach it? Did you just kind of be like, I want to win every single moto? Is that how you got to be? Yeah, I wasn't really worried about the points, uh, especially, let's say, 97, because mm-hmm. that was of the of the four championships I won here in the U.S., that was the only one that I didn't win in the final checkered flag. Right, right. Yeah, no, right. I, I remember that, that um, you were kind of the man all summer, and I know, like I said, Dowdy gave you some heat at a few races near the end, but you kind of, yeah, had him covered for the most part. Yeah, and I can remember just really wanting to win the races and mm-hmm. and not uh, not really worried about that. I mean, in that 97 championship, uh, there were two races. It was uh, Unadilla and uh, Millville, where Dowd and I came down. Literally, I won the, the overalls by, like a Unadilla, I won that moto by, you know, a bike length. Mm-hmm. At uh, Millville, I won the second moto by, like, half a bike length, and that won the overall. And so I remember, you know, one thing that I uh, was always conscious of is that, uh, you know, I, I didn't really ever worry about winning the race by a long ways. Mm-hmm. It was always just having a comfortable lead and riding within a safe pace and all that, um, and just trying to keep the guys in check. But there were times, especially in '97, where Dowd, I just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't run with them, and it was going to be out of my comfort zone. Right. Um, so you, luckily, luckily that year, you know, it wasn't a lot, but but he certainly pressured me. Uh, you know, even though I had a big points lead, um, so you didn't. I, I was just focused on the focused on the race. Yeah, you didn't really start thinking about, hey, I gotta win this title. I got what do I? I gotta stay play safe. I, I got. I don't think I was worried about winning the title. When I think back to it, right? I, I, I think that I just had the confidence, and I felt like, hey, I've got this, and um, I wasn't. It wasn't even a concern. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, uh, I, you know, and not to you know, that didn't sound like disrespectful no. to my competitors or whatever, but I, I just felt like that that year that I really had everything, you know, dialed in, and mm-hmm. I'm. I won that at uh, second to last race. Yeah, Roxon and Webb have over fifty point leads right now, so they're yeah, in a mode huge. where you know where they're just gonna kind of manage yeah, this thing. But 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 you you don't change your mindset um, part way through this. You you know the way that Webb has been attacking the two fifty class is that he works his ass off and he expects to win every time that he goes to the event, and the type of bonuses that, that riders have to win races. Uh, the statistics, the records, the points, all these things, they're going to stay focused on winning the events, and you're not going to see them lay up. You know, you're not going to see them bow down to these other riders because there's still so much pride involved. They're not going to, yeah. like, let anybody no. else win just 
just because they got a huge points lead. Yeah. Best way to lose your points lead is to take your eye off the ball. Yeah. yeah, well said. Well, hey, Jeff, thank you uh, for your time today on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Sorry about your ride day at Glen Helen. Not working out so well, but I think, you, I think you'll get over it. So, I'll get over uh, it. Thanks very much. I appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks uh, to all the listeners. All right, thanks. Jeff Emig, everybody, on the uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show. As usual, we couldn't get to all the calls. We apologize. Thanks, Darkside, for the nice words for me. Thanks, Tits. Good job today. My pleasure. I look at your hero, Dungey, with a little less respect now, though. (laughs) I'll let you know that. All right, everybody. We will see you next week.